Come on, Hope City. Are you glad to be at church today? I mean, like, are you really glad to be at church? It's good to see you guys. Good morning to you in the room and all of you online. My wife and kids send their love today. Uh, they are at home in Ohio. My son, who's four years old, I think we have a picture of them. Uh, my son, who's going to be four, is a little bit of an old picture. He's going to be four next month. Uh, he probably just cussed there. You got to pray for him. He's not saved yet. And uh, this little girl is our little girl named Lily Kay, Judah Paul and Lily Kay. And uh, that's my wife, Lena, who uh, is encouraging Judah <laughs> in his sinful, <laughs> sinful ways. But uh, he called me yesterday. He said, Dad? I said, yeah. He goes, are you in the tucky yet? I was like, yeah, buddy, I'm in the tucky. So I actually heard it said, do you know why West Virginia is called almost heaven? Because it's right next to Kentucky. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Talk to me. So uh, really glad to be here. I got to give a shout out to your pastors, pastors Jason and Andrea Isaacs. Uh, you know, they, I've read that there's somewhere in 419,000 churches in the United States of America. And I think you are blessed to be at this church. I think you have great pastors, great leaders. Can you let them know how much you love them and appreciate them? They are great people. I love hanging out with them. I love talking to them. I love how he thinks. I love how they are. They're very different people, I can tell you that. When you're in the room, two different things going on all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, she and him are amazing. We love them. And I want to talk today for just a few moments on the idea of on the other hand, on the other hand. Can you say that with me today, on the other hand? On the other hand. Um, Mark chapter number three in the new King James Version, uh, because, you know, I was told the old King James would got you into heaven, so we're going to start today with the new King James. Hopefully God's not mad. New King James Version, Mark chapter number three, verse one. And he entered the synagogue again, talking about Jesus. And a man was there who had a withered hand, and so they watched him closely. This is the religious group is observing Jesus to make sure that he is not going to violate the rules or the system uh, that they had in place, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill, the Bible says, but they kept silent. Verse 5, and when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, Jesus was irritated that they were protecting the system over the man's condition. And the Bible says, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Everybody say restored. restored. Here's, I want you to catch this line right here. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. His hand was restored as whole as the other. Somebody say, on the other hand. On the other hand. In this text, it's very fascinating to me that the writer makes sure to let us see that final sentence, that he was restored as whole as the other. That his hand was restored as whole as the other. Not both hands were withered, really just one hand. Not both hands had a problem, just one hand had a problem. 
On one hand, he had a healthy, functional hand. And on the other hand, he had a withered, deformed hand. I think many of us can relate to this on the other hand situation we find ourselves in today in Mark chapter 3. On one hand, you can have good days. And on the other hand, you can have bad days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? On, on, on one hand, you have a great job with great benefits. But on the other hand, your kids are full of the devil. <laughs> you got some troubles at the house. You're struggling at home. On one hand, you love God. You love his church and his word. But on the other hand, you're struggling to keep your head in the right place. On one hand, you love Jesus, but on the other hand, you struggle with some issues. On one hand, uh, you know what's right, but on the other hand, you can do what's, what's wrong. On one hand, you know you're called by God. On one hand, you know you got purpose. On one hand, you know you got destiny. But on the other hand, you got some insecurities and some, some, some weaknesses and some struggles. And on one hand, you know you have a great future. But on the other hand, you know you have a bad past. On one hand, you know you have greatness, but on the other hand, you know you have weakness. Have you ever lived between two hands? Am I talking to any real people at Hope City today that, that between two hands, you know the tension. You've lived between two hands. In fact, it's not always that you're up or down, but that you're up and down. Did you catch that? Sometimes we like to think that I'm up or I'm down. I've come to tell somebody today that you can be up and down at the same time. It's like the roller coaster of life. Some days you're loving it, some days you're losing it. Some days you're winning, some days you're losing. Charles Dickens says it like this, that it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. What was he saying is that it could be a great time and a bad time at the same time. So, so you could be in 2020 and it would be very easy to focus on the bad hand and pandemics and economic situations and, and, and all of the things we hear on the news that, that we hear. We could be focused on the bad hand, but can I tell you today, it can still be the best of times. It can still be the time where the church shines brighter than it's ever shined. It can still be a season when lives are still being changed, hearts are being transformed. It may look like the worst of times, but I've come to tell somebody today, God's doing his best work in 2020. Good things are still happening. Um, when you read the Bible, what's fascinating, you see people like Paul, you know, this great theological mind who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, who has this encounter with God, and he's a powerful, strong leader. God uses his mind to do incredible things that we today still preach, the things he wrote. Incredible man. You'll read verses that say stuff like this, that I know in whom I have believed. He'll say things like, 
I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. I mean, the confidence that he's saying, it's just like, wow, man, you're confident, dude. On one hand, there's this confident Paul. And then you read a little bit later, and he'll say, oh, wretched man that I am. When I go to do good, evil is always present. Things like, uh, I have a thorn in my flesh that I pray that God would take away. So he sounds so confident in some verses, but yet sounds conflicted in other verses. Which one is it, Paul? Can I tell you today? It's both. Living between two hands is a reality that every person in this room can relate to. And many people in the Bible, people like Elijah, used by God to do supernatural things, call down fire from heaven, prophesize rain, prophesies it to stop. This is a bad dude. And the Bible says that some woman talks trash about him, so he goes and hides in a cave, has this like ministry life crisis, and goes and hides Powerful Elijah, God's man Elijah, anointed Elijah, confident Elijah has a conflicting, hiding, scared moment. How can that be? He's living between two hands. People like Moses who pastored the first megachurch in the Bible. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And then they all died and then he became the youth pastor. True story. Moses, used by God, but had an anger problem. People like Peter, who Christ said, you'll build my church, Peter. You're a strong guy. But Peter had a track record of swearing. Some of you are like, thank God, I can be used. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. He had a track record of swearing, lying. He had an aggressive personality. He was an eight on the Enneagram. Come on, somebody. He, he, he was aggressive, living between two hands. How can Peter build such a great ministry? How can Peter see 3,000 people saved, the Bible says, in one sermon, one three-minute sermon, wins 3,000 people to Jesus Christ, and yet still this dude can get cut the dude's ear off in the Bible? Between two hands. How can I live with both greatness and weakness? It's like the story I heard of the four men that went fishing and the one man was on the boat and began to just be honest and vulnerable and begin to confess. He said, boys, I'm just going to be honest with you. I drink too much. The other man says, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've gambled a lot of my uh, money away. The third guy says, Guys, I have a lot of inappropriate thoughts. The fourth man's on the boat sitting there quiet, and they said, well, what about you? Why don't you be vulnerable? Why don't you confess and be honest? And the man looked back. He said, well, guys, I have a problem with gossip, and I cannot wait to get off this boat. (laughs) Everybody has a withered hand. And we love our good hand, don't we? Like, we love our good hand. Our good hand's what we brag about. The good hand's what we post online, right? We impress people with our good side. Like, uh, like we'll post a picture of ourselves, and, and it's obviously a very self-serving photo, but put a scripture underneath, and it's like, boom. <laughs> boom, money shot right there. 
We, we love our good hands. You know, let me say this. You know, the Bible says that he was, had a withered hand. And, and tradition teaches, tradition teaches that, and many theologians will reaffirm the idea that this man was not necessarily born with a withered hand, is that he was a bricklayer that over time, a severe, possibly a severe case of arthritis or something withered his hand because of what he did with his life. Let me say this, um, what in life, what has withered in your life over time? So you aren't necessarily born with this withered condition, but maybe the withered condition you're facing today didn't start that way, but over time, life has taken a toll. I have been a part of uh, a lot of weddings, and Pastor Jason, I know you have as well. And, and I've stood in front of a room like this, in a room like this, with people like you, stood here, said the vows, meant it, believed it, kissed, we clapped, they left, we cleaned up. You know, this is how it works. It's what we do. But somewhere along the line, um, marriages can wither. No one thinks on the day they say I do that in 5, 10, 15 years they would be an affair. 5, 10, 15 years, there would be a divide between them or intimacy would go away or things have been said and things have, been, things have happened and things have transpired and the kids came into the picture. Just somewhere along the lines, things just became withered. I think there's people that had dreams of businesses and starting churches and people that dreamed of starting, uh, getting a, a brand new home or building a house or just dreaming expansively. But over time, life got real, things got hard. And the dreaming got smaller and things became withered. I think in our families, families can be withered. I think, I think our worship can be withered. I think we could come in here, the songs at one season of our life, our faith could be up, our worship can be strong. And then somewhere over time, just somewhere over time, we be withered. We're not as responsive to God as we used to be. Our heart doesn't feel as tender as it used to be because maybe possibly you've experienced some pain, some setbacks, some unmet expectations, and now today you're living the result of unmet expectations, and now you have withered faith. Life has a way of withering our thinking, disfiguring our faith, hurting our hopes. There are withered women in this room today. There are withered men, withered marriages, and withered teenagers. I've met withered millionaires. I've met withered people in poverty. I have met musicians in the worship team and the lights and the drum set and the guitar. And, and, and don't let this stuff fool you because we can still be withered. Don't let a headset in a podium, in a platform, fool you because we got areas in our lives that are withered, that we struggle with. From all walks of life, every economic class, every race and gender deals with and struggles with places that are withered, places that limit us, embarrass us, frustrate us, complicate us. Yes. Like I said before, I think we love our good hand, right? Yes. 
We show off our good hand. We post our good hand. We brag about our good hand. And one of the worst places where we love to show our good hand, can I tell you? In the house of God. Like religion teaches us to show our good hand, right? Show what's right about us. Show us what's good about us. I prayed so much this week, Pastor Jason. Like I'm real saved now. Like, like we, we are really, we are obsessed sometimes with the good hand. If you look, the Bible says that Jesus went to the synagogue, and the Bible says that the man who was, had the withered hand was at the synagogue. They were there at the same time. Let me say this. I'm so glad Jesus went to church. I'm just glad Jesus went to church. I know we're in a pandemic, and I know we're using caution, and this church is using the, uh, the, necessary, uh, the necessary discretion to move forward in this season of, of unprecedented times, everybody says. But with that, uh, I'm just still glad that you're here online, and you're in the room today, and then you're at their family worship service. I, I'm just glad that, that we're in church because there's just some things that happen in God's house that just don't happen anywhere else. There's something powerful about being in the house of God. And let me, let me say this. What's amazing is that the withered-handed man was still in the house of God. Despite his withered, messed up, inconsistent, crazy self, he was still in the right place at the right time. Let me say this to you today. Withered people are welcome. Withered people are welcome to Hope City Church. Sometimes the longer we're saved, we think that we're, we can have the mentality that we're protecting the church from withered people. I grew up in church my whole life, and sometimes you'll hear people say this, and I, I don't mean anything ugly by it. Maybe you've heard it, um, but I, I've heard preachers say that God's not coming back for an imperfect church. I'm like, okay, if you're in this room right now, Raise your hand if you're confident enough that, you're, that this room's perfect for God to come get it. Sister, put your hand down. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay, let me explain it to you. I'll explain it to you. We're perfect in Christ. We're not perfect in our own selves. Jesus made us perfect in him. Our job is not to keep imperfect people out. It is to bring imperfect people in. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. Are you hearing me today? The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. If we are not careful, we can develop the mentality that this is just for the good-handed people. The good-handed people come to church on Sunday. Or the good-handed people get to be on the worship team. Or the good-handed people get to be in the kids' ministry. Or the good-handed people get to be used by God. But let me tell you today, and let me commend all the people who came to church today, despite being withered, I'm glad you came despite having your issues, your background, the divorce you went through the bankruptcy you filed, the sickness that you feel. There's no place like God's house and things happen here that just don't happen anywhere else. Are you hearing me today? Aren't you thankful for the church? In the text, we see that Jesus looks at this gentleman and says to him, stretch out your hand. He looks at him and says, stretch out your hand. In that verse, he says, you 
Stretch out your hand. He's telling him it's, it's not about anybody else right now. It's not about who abused you, whose fault it was, what was said about you, where you come from, the background you've experienced. It's about you. I need you to stretch out the place that embarrasses you, that hurts you, that complicates you, that frustrates you. I, I need you to stretch out that hand. Religion asked us to stretch out our good hand. But that day, Jesus challenges him to stretch out his bad hand. Stretch out the place that you dislike about you the most. Let's talk about the other hand. Let's talk about the place that you don't want to talk about. Are you willing to stretch out your hand? I believe there is a condition for the miraculous to take place in our lives, and it is simply this, that God will heal what we refuse to hide. What we refuse to hide. If we do not stretch it out, I think it limits God's supernatural work in our lives. If we live in this place of a pretentious life where we are hiding the places and the things from him, because you're not stretching it out for him. You're stretching it out for you. God wants to know, will you be real about this? Will you be honest with yourself? Will you be real with what you're feeling? Will you be honest with the situation you feel in your heart and in your mind? The reality of it is, is that God cannot restore what we will not repent of. God cannot fix what we continue to fake. God cannot correct what we will not confront. God cannot change what we do not confess. I mean, the reality of it is we can either acknowledge that we need him or pretend that we don't. And in this room today, I know there are withered people that God is challenging you to be willing to get uncomfortable. Be willing to stretch out the place that hurts. And it may not feel good, but can you imagine that moment? I mean, years this man has been in this condition. Years he has been on the outside. Jewish tradition teaches that he wasn't even allowed to be in service or to participate in the service because of his deformity, but he could sit in because he was a Jew. So he was allowed to come in, but the religious group would make sure that he wasn't allowed to get involved. Wow. So for years and years, this man has lived in discrimination on the outside. For years and years, this guy has not fit and not been qualified. And Jesus asked him to do the like, had to be hard. Jesus asking him to stretch his hand out. And I don't know what you got to stretch out. I don't know who you need to possibly connect with and ask for forgiveness, but stretch it out. I, I don't know what ex-church you used to attend. But maybe today you need to forgive somebody who hurt you or send a message to somebody who mistreated you or forgot about you. 
Stretch it out. Maybe somebody needs to forgive God for the pregnancy that didn't take place. Stretch it out. It wasn't your choice that you were abused that way, that young, that early, that, that season of life. But stretch it out. Can you imagine what would happen if you stretched it out? Can you imagine how different your family, your church, your community, this city, this state, the nation would be if we stretched it out? Are you willing to go to counseling? Are you willing to take a budget in class? Are you willing to do your possible so that God can do the impossible? Could it be? Oh, my. I get, I'm trying to stay up here. Okay? I'm trying to stay up. Could it be that we are limiting the impossibilities of the supernatural power of God in our lives because we continue to hide the things and be unwilling to do the possible, unwilling to do the practical, unwilling to do the things that only we can do, to release God to do the things that only he can do. Can you imagine, church, if we stretch it out? I know I'm talking to somebody in the room that you've come withered today. You've come limited today. You've been feeling shame so deep that people wouldn't even know. Stretch it out. Can you imagine the Garden of Gethsemane hours before Jesus is crucified? And the Bible says that he's in the garden. He said he actually is conflicted. He's between two hands. He says, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup, look what he's saying. He says, on this hand, I can walk away. On this hand, I can leave it all. On this hand, I can go to eternity and bypass this. But on the other hand, On the, on the other hand, what's your name? Amanda? If on the other hand, Amanda needs saved. What's your name? Kyle? On this hand, on this hand, he can walk away. But on this hand, he sees Kyle. On this hand, he sees the, the convenience of leaving and walking away and it's hard and it's tough. But what's your name? I'm sorry. Rachel? He sees Rachel and he says, not my will, but yours be done. Yes. Between two hands. What if today you brought to memory the idea that Jesus went to the cross and they put a nail in both hands for the good side of you and the bad side of you. The upside of you and the downside of you. What if today you come to the realization, Rachel, in the name of Jesus, I know you have some up days and you got some down days and you got crazy days and you got God days and devil days. You got it all, girl. But guess what? He died for both days. He died for the weakness and the strength. He died for every part of you. Stretch it out, church. Stretch it out. I'll tell you this story if I have time. This story, uh, and I, I told it last service, I'll tell it this service. I was called, you know, as a pastor, you'll get called to do things sometimes, and, um, and it can put you in some really weird situations. But one day I was called about a, for about a 90-year-old man that was, was sick, and he was dying. And his daughter called me and said he was scared to die. 
um, he had a lot of questions about eternity and would you be willing to meet with him? I said, sure. I go and I meet with the guy and he's 90 years old. His daughter leaves the room. I sit with him in Mansfield Medical Hospital there and me and him are sitting together. It's just me and him in the room, a 90-year-old man. He tells me all of the bad things he did. He, he literally showed me the bad hand. He just told me everything he's done wrong, like major stuff. And he said, how could God, how could God ever let me into heaven when I've been so bad? And on his little nightstand there, he had two napkins, and a thought came to me just to share with him the gospel as simple as I could for a man that's 90 years old, days from passing. I grabbed the napkin, and I told him, you know, in life, this napkin could represent a grade card. If you're good, you show up at work, you get promoted. You get a, you know, you pass this grade, you go to the next. We carry that mentality over in our spiritual life with God, that the better I am, he'll let me in. So like this week, I didn't, I didn't watch that. Uh, I didn't say that. So passing grade, let's give me an A minus on the thought life. Let's get a C on my church attendance. I've been doing really good here, and I haven't done this. And so we go to God and, uh, with our grade card in the air, and we say, okay, God, here it is. And I told him, like, here's the reality. You can't get in on your grade card. I took the napkin. I ripped it in half. I reached over for the other napkin. I showed it. We get in on Jesus' grade card. The Bible says that he was tempted in all areas like as we yet without sin, meaning that his great card is perfect. And when I am in him, when I stand before God, he sees Jesus' great card, and I'm led in on his merit, not my own. That 90-year-old man's eyes begin to well with tears, and he begin to cry. And on that day, I led that 90-year-old man to Jesus on his deathbed. A couple days later, they're taking him home to pass. And while they're putting him in the car to transport him to his house, they said, he stopped everything. He said, hey, he hasn't talked in hours. He said, hey, I need my napkin. And a few days later, he passed away with that napkin in his hand. Well, here, here's my point I want you to catch. I was in the room with a 90-year-old man that showed me his bad hand. I've sinned. I've fallen short, I've done this, and I've done that. But I watched in real time a 90-year-old man stretch that little hand and give his life to Jesus Christ and expose his brokenness and his shame. And right now, he's an eternal reward. And one day when I get to heaven, we're going to look at each other and we're going to celebrate because one afternoon he was willing to stretch it out. And can I tell you today what would happen on a Sunday morning, November the 1st, if you stretched it out? We don't need to wait till after the election to stretch it out. We don't need to wait till 2021 for a new year to turn that you feel like it's a fresh thing and when we're going to stretch it out and when we don't have to wear the mask, we can start new. Listen, it could happen today. What would happen if you stretched it out? Come on, Hope City. I want you to be a church. That's willing to say, God, here it is. Here's the real me. I stretch it out. Can I pray with you today with eyes closed all over the room? I believe that there are withered people here today. I really believe there are people in the room that are dealing with thoughts of inferiority, thoughts of shame, thoughts of guilt, 
and you're questioning today if God could ever use you, God could ever love you, God could ever care about you, can I tell you today, stretch it out. Stretch it out. I see people wiping tears for the past four to five minutes, people wiping tears because you've been wondering if your withered condition is too bad for God to use. Can I tell you today, you're in the right place, just like the man with the withered hand. You're at the right place at the right time. You're in God's house, and I promise you, if you'll stretch it out, he'll begin to do a work. He'll begin to do a work. In that seat right where you are, no one's looking around. I want to challenge you. MC's going to come. The band is going to play, but I want, I want you to do yourself a favor. Just how he stretched his hand for it. I want you to do something between you and God. You and God. I want you to stretch your hand right now to heaven. This, uh, this is not a magic trick. This is between you and God. I want you to stretch it out. I want you to be honest with the Holy Spirit today. God, here it is. I don't know what it is, but come on. Somebody in the room, I see you stretching hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. That couple in the back row, uh, lady with the pink, he's got a black hat on. God is touching you right now. That spirit of God, you've been on my mind as I've been watching. I'm telling you, the spirit of God is beginning to release people to say, I'm done with the past. I'm done with my shame. I'm leaving it behind. The past is over. The past is over. The past is over. You hear me, Hope City? The past is over. Healing is moving to your house. Healing is moving to your family. Healing is moving to your kids. Healing is moving to your home. Healing is moving to your heart. Will you stand with us all over the room? I want to just pray with you just a little bit longer. Is that okay, Pastor Andrea? Am I okay? I'm going to step off the stage. Just, I hope I'm throwing, not throwing the cameras off. This lady right here, I just want to pray with you. I won't touch you. I don't know your name. I, oh, yeah, I see you got the hugger sticker. God's going to hug you today. God, I thank you. What's your name? Amanda, it's not an accident that you're here. God has ordered your steps. The enemy has lied to you so many times, and he's told you certain things about yourself. Over and over, this, this narrative in your mind is telling you that you're a failure and you're withered. But God said, today you stretch it out. I'm willing to heal. I'm willing to do a work. I'm willing to heal people who have living, that are living in brokenness today in Jesus' name. As Pastor Andrews, as those tears are flowing. This is the power of God. This is the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit flowing. And we thank you, God. Today, she's walking in a newness. Old things are passed away. All things are made new, are made new, are made new, are made new. I pray for this couple right here in the back. I don't know anything about you, but over and over, you've been, I got that same shirt at home, man. I, over and over, you've been coming to my mind. I've been watching. I pray for newness over this couple. I pray for healing over this couple. I pray for the Spirit of God to just begin to move something new on them and in their life and that they'll begin to walk in new territory and new life and walk in new season. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This lady on the front row, I pray your spirit, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're on earth as it is in heaven. Begin to work in her heart and her life. We believe it today. We believe it today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hope City, are you thankful for the word of God today? Yes. I mean, you really believe it. I'm going to stretch it out. I'm going to stretch it out. You're stretching it out? In Jesus' name. 
bless this church, bless this community. I pray that this kingdom or this church will grow in the kingdom, will grow in new people, will grow in attendance, will grow in supernatural ways, and that when people come to this church, they know they can come withered and they can leave whole. They can come withered and they can leave whole. And we believe it today in Jesus' name. Amen.